And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, we do. Um, good evening, everyone, and thanks again always for joining us on spending your, our Monday nights with us here on Down the Garden Path. Tonight, we continue, or we kind of begin and continue, I guess we continue, our yeah. month-long discussion on lawn care. And tonight, we're going to look at different lawn fertilizers, what works better, when, and if so, if you have a question about uh, fertilizing your lawn, please send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. We have lots of ideas and lots of things we want to talk about um, as far as our lawns are concerned. This early spring has everybody so keen, right, Matt? Everyone is so excited. It is a beautiful and warm outside and like there's just no stopping them. There's just no stopping them. I know. Uh, so there's so much to be going on. And, and I think everyone tries to focus on their lawns first or is excited to get that lawn all ready to go. Um, so we're going to look today specifically at fertilizers. I think that's one of our main questions that we, we regularly get. And there's a lot of different fertilizers out there from synthetic to organic and which one is better and how do you do it and when do you do it? Uh, so we're going to dive right in. Um, we wanted to ask you though, too, because I think we were talking before the show, um, just about the value of the lawn. So what, um, about your lawn makes you so keen, um, to keep that lawn, to put that maintenance and that commitment into keeping that big, beautiful green lawn. Where does you see the value in it? Um, do you have a big lawn? Do you have a small lawn? Write us, let us know what your thoughts are on mm -hmm. lawn. Tell us where you're from and mm -hmm. write us at yeah. instudio101 at gmail.com. Did I hit everything or? Yeah, I think so. I, I was saying to you, we were having a little pre-show chat and I was saying how clients, uh, my design clients range from the people who want less lawn and literally would want to break it all over as much as possible. And the other end of, you know, where they garden and the lawn, they still want to make sure they have lots of lawn and that it's good lawn. So it, it, that seems to be, but you know, it seems to be two extremes because one is going for much more uh, low maintenance um, the other one lawn, I mean, to have a perfect, so there's one thing about having a lawn, but then there's another thing about having the perfect lawn. Right. So I wanted to talk a bit about that and like, why do we want to have that perfect lawn and, and the money and the effort that goes into it, you know, um, pros and cons, you know, so anyway, another top, we've got lots to talk about on this topic and <laughs> we know our listeners love talking about lawns and, uh, so definitely would love to know. 
uh, why everybody, where you're from, and why the lawn is so important. That's right. And if you come up with a question, uh, you can always find us on social media at Down the Garden Path Podcast, Facebook and Instagram. We love to continue our conversation and uh, hear from you there. But also next week, we're talking grub control. Uh, so, you know, managing that white grub, repairing the lawn, uh, what happens when and how to deal with it. So you can save your questions for then too, in case you come mm-hmm. up with one while That's you're right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so if you have more questions about that, and I guess we can probably talk, talk a little bit about weed control, that kind of like pest and weed control next week, but uh, fertilizers. So that is usually the first, like aside from what we talked about last week in the pre-emergence, as far as that weed control, has that, because the forsythia is still blooming, have we missed the pre-emergence now? The forsythia is pretty much in full bloom. So uh, especially for things like the crabgrass, those weed seeds are definitely growing and sprouting okay. and, and moving. So again, depending on where you are and what your lawn is like, you can you can try to put it down. Um, you might, the forsythia where you are might still be coming out if you're cooler and thinking like uh, the prairie provinces, uh, you might be again ahead of, because yours is like June 15th, I think, mm. where ours is May 24th for yeah. our spring start. So you probably have some time. Uh, and if you're further south, you probably don't. But right about now is when, yeah, you've wanted to have put it down. <laughs> Remember the thing about corn gluten is that it stops all weed seeds from growing. So if you've missed it, you can try to put it down if you think, if you feel that you you can get some benefit from it, but you're going to have that five to six week period where your grass seed's not going to grow. So if the lawn is greening up, things are growing, the dandelions are full bloom and massive piles of leaves where I am, um, you you probably are just going to go straight to your, your fertilizer in okay. either now or in the next week or two. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I feel like it's our fault that everybody's focused on the lawn is because we've spent years telling everybody to stay out of their garden. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's still too early for the garden. Well, you know, it's getting there. More and more people are starting to clean up slowly. Um, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. so now is the time, right? Right. Yeah. Now, question for you, though. But what about people who put on, let's say, an organic or slow release fertilizer in the fall? that you know we wanted to the whole reason for doing that or in the winter sorry so in the winter mm. the whole reason of doing that in let's say october end of october beginning of november was that it would continue to feed the the lawn when it started to wake up so do those people really need to fertilize yeah you wouldn't have to necessarily fertilize right away you could probably still get away with it for a couple of weeks um because you're right we put on that winter fertilizer end of november to feed the roots so the formulation between now and then is different uh but theoretically i mean we've had a really warm spring in the first in our area for like the last seven to nine years uh so we've got normally that food would still be dissolving and feeding and thawing out but because we've warmed up so quickly uh, the grass is more active. It's probably burnt through all of that or, mm, or a portion okay. of that and is ready to actually be regularly fed again. So, okay. yes, if you did do a winter fertilizer, awesome. You probably still have some time to go. Um, again, as long as it's actively growing, um, you can be feeding it because she's going to actively be feeding. But now we are going to usually start with something in our hive nitrogen. We're going to get that big curb pr- bursts of growth you know you see like the synthetics that are in your uh, garden centers and big box stores with the high first number so that's your nitrogen Uh, maybe there's some new listeners so i'll just quickly you'll see the three fertilizer numbers your nitrogen your n 
your potassium, your P, and your, uh, sorry, your phosphorus, your P, and your potassium is your K. Uh, so up, down, and all around is the little rhyme to remember for what they do. Okay, say that again. So up, up down. Down, and all around. So all nitrogen around. is green growth and lush above the ground. Right. Phosphorus is is down, major Roots. in root systems, right, storing food, but also in the development of the ovaries in the flowers. So it's a, a big component there as well. Uh, and then your potassium, your K is all around. It's almost like our vitamin C. It increases resistances, heat stress, drought stress, insect damage, things like that, cell structure. So it's kind of like that immune system. Okay. Okay. So as we go into spring, what we want to do is we want to usually have something with a higher nitrogen. So the plant is growing, all of that grass, it's all of the growth above that we love. So usually you'll see a 30-02, or um, depending on who you've got or where you are, I know you can see sometimes it's um, like an 18-612 or an 18-06, that sort of thing. So the first number is the spring fertilizer is going to be high in nitrogen and low in phosphorus and potassium. Okay. See, uh, now, are the numbers different? Sorry to interrupt you. Is the no. are the numbers different for synthetic versus uh, organic? Excellent question. They won't be. Um, they'll be different in the way that their values will be different. Their proportion will still be the same. So even okay. in the organics, we'll still need the nitrogen, and we'll have the phosphorus and potassium lower. Same thing in the synthetic, the nitrogen will be much higher. But a lot of people look at the nitrogen in the synthetic and go, oh my God, that's like a 20 plus. Um, that's definitely the one I have to have where organic works differently in the way that the soil is metabolizing it, the microorganisms and feeding it slower. So you end up usually getting like, for example, a good um, organic fertilizer, you're gonna see like a, a 732 right now. Whereas in the org or the synthetics, you're going to see like a 30, 0, 16 or 0, 20. Okay. So the lower, the numbers might be lower, but it's metabolized differently. But they are still going to give you that big burst of, of green and that, that nice okay. lush. So they just work a little differently. Okay, yeah. good. And I'm, we're going to do a deep dive on that, the difference. Um, but we do have a question. So Ooh. I thought I'd get to Jake's question for you. Um, so hello, Joanne and Matthew, fantastic topic tonight. We knew you guys were waiting for it. Uh, my question <laughs> about fertilizer is when I'm putting down new seed, is there any fertilizer that I can put down with my new seed? This is a great question, Jake. I yeah. know people say starter fertilizer in quotes, but would regular fertilizer hurt the seed? Thank you. And Jake is in Toronto. Hey, Jake. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Yeah, your starter fertilizer, just kind of looking at your term regular fertilizer, is one of those synthetic fertilizers usually. And usually it's like a 12, 24, 12, or uh, 10, 30, 10, depending on what brand you have. But yeah, so it is a synthetic and it is, is like the regular ones. You don't really need to put it down with the seed at that exact moment. You want it to germinate and get some roots growing. And then that starter high in the phosphorus which is down below the ground they're going to tap into that phosphorus and give you that burst so you don't need it necessarily the second that you put it down you can wait two or three weeks right get that blade about two to three inches and then because it's not that. it's not fertilizing the grass seed right like you need to the, right. the grass seed needs to turn into grass right it needs to become the grass plant plant right, right. yeah yeah it turn into grass yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly okay so you so yeah. you can let it germinate and then seed it 
Okay. So I hope that answers your question. Um, so right. yeah, so Jake, you don't need to fertilize at the same time. You want to wait until the grass starts to germinate, um, which because we're getting cooler still at night, it's it's been slow to germinate. You know, I've seen a lot of neighbors who've got theirs all fenced off or all strung, you know, a lot of stakes with string and they seeded, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it's still barely ba- baby grass, really. Yeah, so. exactly. Some of those quicker will go, but there's longer species that germinate later. And then the, the temperatures have been, you know, closer to the, the, the high single digits or 10 or 11 over at night. But we need like good periods of that 10 degrees, nine degrees at night for that thermostat in that seed to go, oh, okay, it's time. Let's start moving. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Now you did say something about the roots, like, you know, the phosphorus for the roots, um, for the grass seed, but the, the baby grass, but if the zero, like if there is zero, like on the synthetic ones, if the middle number is zero, then should that be a concern? Yes. And no, a lot of our soils, especially, and again, depending on where you are in the GTA, we have a very clay loam. So the glaciers recede etched out all the, the lakes and left a bunch of soil behind, but there's a high percentage of phosphorus still in the soil. So our native soil has like a plus 23 all by itself. mm, Because phosphorus is very immobile. Unless things like flood uh, and constantly flood and and wash that soil. Not even just wash that soil away, but um, constantly soak that soil and move water through it. The phosphorus doesn't really move. So if you're getting down into our natural clay loam, you've got some phosphorus already there. Phosphorus is also a limited resource. Um, there's only so much of it and we can run out of it and then it's gone. Um, so we do, we're kind of trying to protect that. But again, with the synthetics, because it's so um, available and the amount we water our lawns and the amount of water that runs off, we do get a lot of that nitrogen and some of that, very little of that phosphorus getting into the, into the waterway. So they're trying to limit that and use what you've already got there. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. So- That's a great reason why it's, why it's a lower number, right? It's not wasted. Right. And so usually if you have something like Jake, who you, you want to use a starter fertilizer because you've got a large portion that's starting, that phosphorus, unless you're constantly saturating the soil and it's running off or your soil is eroding, that phosphorus is either going to get metabolized or it's just going to sit there. Yeah. And usually a 24%, again, is, that's like a good, that's a good percentage of all that that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So don't be scared by that zero. You've probably got a lot of phosphorus already there already and you can the always do a, nor- a nice little soil test as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mackenzie seeds or someone like that usually has a little soil test and you can do it and you can see your phosphorus levels that are in the soil. And they're usually pretty adequate already. Huh. I've always wanted to do that. I should have to do that. It's pretty yeah. fun and it's easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Ken has written in, uh, oh. he says, uh, so he's answering our question about the lawn, uh, why, lawn, why we care about lawns. He's saying oh, awesome. curb appeal. That's why we want a good lawn. When people go by your home, if the grass is dark, rich, green color and looks velvety and nice, people think the entire house looks great. So, you know, I could see that. I mean, definitely, um, you know, I think if the gardens, I don't know, I think if the gardens and the house is clean and everything else is good, you know, then it's secondary. But that's what my eye goes to. But I, I get it because, you know, it, it. yeah, those yards where the grass is out of control or the weeds are out of control, yeah. it does give a negative uh, reflection on the home, you know, that they've given indeed. up, right? R- yeah, they just don't care. They're not. Doing yeah. it. So, so Ken, so that curb appeal, um, and you can answer, you don't have to answer, but just building on Ken's question or comment. 
that dark, rich green color, does it have to be 100% grass? Can it be from far away, that curb appeal, that photo? Can it be like some clover or some weeds? Does that matter if you're getting that? If, if those say the clover and the weeds are still there, but perhaps they're manicured or they're mowed and you still get that lush green appearance from far away, are those weeds okay? Do people tolerate that or mm-hmm. do you have to go to the extreme of having the perfect lawn? Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. I'm in the condo. I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Mike's great. uh, And and so that was a great question from Ken or great, you you know, great perspective from Ken. Um, Mike has written in and and he'll start our conversation about the organic versus uh, synthetic. So Mike says he has used organic fertilizer for a couple of years and he noticed that his lawn did not look as nice and lush as when he used what he called factory based or we would call synthetic uh, fertilizer. Any ideas as to why I am back to using non-organic fertilizer with better luck? Thanks. So, yeah. Yeah. The the soil is dead. The organic fertilizers use the microorganisms that are naturally in the soil and those humic substances um, that they produce to break down that organic fertilizer and release food naturally into those root zones. When the soil is nice and healthy, Mike, I will promise you, uh, your organic, it does not, like you can, like you said, the, the, the factory and the synthetic will green it up really quickly because it's instantly available. But the organic, it doesn't green up immediately in those first two weeks but it provides week three through eight as lush green. And you've got those microorganisms in the soil slowly feeding it out. It's almost like if we had a chocolate bar or we had a well-balanced meal at dinner, right? The, the you know, the, the nice salad, um, you know, maybe a little bit of chicken cut up into it if you're a meat eater, that's gonna sustain your body with healthy organs more so than a McDonald's or a quick chocolate bar. And the same is true about the lawn and the microorganisms in the soil right? We have microorganisms in our gut that is digesting and, and producing that for us. The soil is doing the same for the lawn. So your soil has very little uh, or, uh, organic growth. The, the microorganisms are weak. You probably need to rebuild that soil profile with the a nice organic matter, a nice rich compost, uh, some compost tea. Um, manure. Manure. Thank you. I just, I was looking at the word and I can't say it. <laughs> Some manure. When we were growing up, like, didn't you, like every, you know, everybody was putting manure on their lawns, you yes. know? And I know it, it's, well, because it was stinky back then. Now it's a little less so because it's more composted, but uh, yeah. yeah. So if, if, so that's a good point. So, yeah. So when you use the synthetic and people get scared when they think organic and the synthetic, the synthetic is because we mine the minerals that are naturally occurring and we process them. So they can be naturally sourced, but we're processing them through the factory that make them synthetic or man-made. So they, they may be organic in the way that we mined them, but not so much in that we process them and something else can happen. But what happens is when you put that fertilizer down, um, you're putting it in such high amounts that imagine, you know, we, we have that issue where we burn the lawn because there's so much chemical there. Mm. Imagine you're a small organism and all of that fertilizer comes out. Going back to like Jake's question, being putting down fertilizer with the seed. We're worried about having that synthetic, that all of that immediately uh, synthetic fertilizer available for that grass seed. It'll burn the roots and damage it. So same thing with the soil organisms. When we put those synthetics down, we burn and damage the organisms and those cultures in the soil. 
which make it okay. You know, you, you, it greens up, it's nice, but it wears away. And then the organics underneath don't repair. So next year it doesn't really look as good. So we need to go buy more synthetic and hit it again to green it back up. But we've then, then damaged that population that tried to repair itself and it's starting to die again. So become it's the organics work with what's underneath the lawn and in the soil and building that soil. And ultimately, once you've got that nice, rich soil working the way it should be, your organics will outpace all of the, the other ones. Again, it goes but like McDonald's versus a well-balanced right. meal, right? What's right. healthy for the, our insides are working just like the subgrade of that lawn. Okay. So Mike should go and give top dressing, you know, a nice manure top dresser. Because would, would even just the top dressing soil be enough? Probably not to like improve the organism or organisms. You want something more organic and more, I would say more like I think of vitamins, like you were using the food yeah. analogy, but something more nutritious than just a top dressing, you know, doing a manure. Right. Yeah. Doing mushroom like compost, something. Mushroom yeah. Compost. Or just one of those nice rich composts that are like the biofor or the biosol from Fafard. Again, going with Fafard. No skin in the game, but I love them. Um, they're rich in those, uh, those or some organisms and those, um, that just that organic matter to feed them. So he won't be able, mm-hmm. Mike, he won't be able to do it right away, but you know, over, you know, top dress in the spring, top dress in the fall, top dress next spring, and you can slowly build that and regenerate that profile and the organics will go constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll grow again and you'll get away from that fertilizer, the other one. Is, now, is that something that people should realize that, you know, maybe to- just top dressing with just top dressing soil might not be the the most uh, beneficial? Like, you know, maybe considering doing compost and consider doing um, manure just just to make sure whether you're using synthetic or whether you're using um, organic, but just really focus on improving the soil. Because I think if the soil is good, then, you know, you might, would you even at, at some point not even need a ton of fertilizer? Right? Exactly. And, and that's exactly it because you've got all those microorganisms that live in the soil that are constantly breaking down the thatch layer that we're removing from the soil. They're improving that aeration as they restructure the, the soil that is there. Uh, dead things are, are sources of food. Yeah. So if you build that soil, your, the grasses will eventually just take care of itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that to me is the ultimate goal. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. Just rebuilding, mm-hmm. rebuilding that healthy base. And then, yeah, yeah. you would need fertilizers or you'll oh, I fertilize, but I mean, it's pretty green already. For yeah. Sure. yeah, just definitely. to quickly backtrack to Jake. Okay. He also just, I think I skipped over it as I was thinking about uh, the organics. Yes. Is there some, a fertilizer that you could put down with your seed? And it is the organic fertilizers, Jake, you want to put that down because again, remember the soil has to start to break that down uh, and feed the microorganisms before it's released. So the grass seed, even as the roots come out, they're not, there's nothing going to be there in such high concentrations or a readily available concentration to burn it. So you can put down your, you can put your seed and your, your organics in your, the same hopper and spread it out to the proper rate. I always like to wait um, but you, theoretically you can, you can still do it because it's not going to burn. There's those synthetics aren't available in those concentrations. So, yeah, so okay. you can definitely do that anyways. Yeah, no, no, that's good to know. That's good to know as well. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about 
the actual putting it in down, like, do we, does everybody need a spreader? Can you do it by hand? You know, what is the best way to distribute, you know, um, the fertilizer? Yeah. So really what you want to do is you, you never want to put down too much so that it burns. So I always recommend, even with the organic, it's just super easy. It takes the thought out of it. Most of the fertilizer bags will have the number in which the spreader needs to be set at. So when you buy the spreader or how rent a spreader, which most garden centers do, there's a little handle which controls the little feed on the bottom. It really only should ever open like a third. And depending on if you have three holes or one hole or two holes, it'll all change. But opening it a third and then just going back and forth, uh, you know, left to right or east to west, and then going back again, north to south at that open rate will distribute it evenly uh, and equally across everything. If you get really good and you can do it by hand, you can. Um, but watch, if you spill some, if you drag, hand drags out, or you drop a bunch, that's where you're going to get that little burn. And you may not need, realize you do it as you walk over it and let it go. Um, imagine if you put out the salt on the, the snow, right? When you do it by hand or on the ice, you can see those bands where you are. And that's the same thing that you're going to get when you yeah. do your fertilizer, unless mm -hmm. you're really thorough about it. You're kind of sprinkling it out evenly, like you're salting, mm -hmm. um, like a, a salt shaker just nice and out and evenly and able to watch yeah. it. So yeah. yeah, I would definitely do the hopper. Yeah. There's little handheld ones too, right? Yep, exactly. There's a little handheld ones. If you don't want to bathe the big renting ones, you can just do it by hand. You have to go back a few times, but it's easy to manage and fill just so. Uh, and again, there's usually a setting from one to five and you just wanted it to open about that third uh, and then just make sure that you're going. Okay. A tip, never open your hopper, whether it's handheld or push, until you're moving. You want the, the broadcast applicator. So we've got the, the little thing that falls, the fertilizer falls on and it spins and then it broadcasts the fertilizer. You want that moving before you click the button to open it. If you don't and you pull the open, it's just gonna pour run right out and it's gonna land right below you. So you wanna make sure you're moving, take a step first, get it moved, go right to the edge of your lawn and then move or to the edge of your driveway and walk onto your lawn with it spinning so that anything yeah. that does fall when you open gets broadcast. You don't get those little burns on the edges or every spot you turned around. So before you stop or you turn around, let it go and then stop so that you don't okay. have it open to fall. Yeah. Yeah. And the same spreaders can be used for grass seed as well as fertilizer, right? Just different numbers. Right, right. Because the grass seed's smaller, so a third even more will tend to come out. Okay. But you can definitely use the both of the same. Same thing yes. with your corn gluten and your grass. They're all okay. Yeah. Able yeah. To I mean, if you're using it for more than one thing, then it makes sense to invest in maybe your own. But yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. All right. It's just flying by. I know it always does. Um, so Sam, we have a question from oh. Sam. Did you want me to read that to you? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You're, doing, I didn't even... you're doing all the teaching tonight. So I'll do the, the emails. Oh, perfect. Um, so Sam is asking uh, more about the, uh, the herbicide controls. So why is it that the government here in Ontario for the past 20 years, I'm not sure it's been 20, but has allowed commercial properties, golf courses, parks, et cetera, to use fertilizer and weed control that we as residential property owners are not allowed to use. Um, look at the commercial properties, gorgeous results. And it's not about the water supply argument as the research that I've done shows that there are thousands of more acres of, on these commercial properties than our itsy bitsy properties here in the GTA um, 
So this goes to, for people that all around the world are listening, and Ontario has an herbicide ban uh, for residential use. Uh, I thought it was really only golf courses that were exempt and because they're more regulated um, and inspected and, and they, there's much more control on the weed control. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, like the commercial property I see still are covered in weeds. <laughs> you know, they're gra- like, uh, you know, they're professionally mowed and trimmed and stuff like that. Um, did you want to weigh in on that one? Yeah, I think, no, I think you're right. I think some of the bigger like golf courses, places like that, because they, that's especially the golf courses, right? You're going out and half the game is you're on the green or different types of greens. So it's about keeping up and, and just part of their overall presentation and the way they make money. Some of the landscapers do still have, uh, access to some of those chemicals that are a little stronger than what the homeowners can buy. Um, but again, they're not randomly walking around and spraying it on everybody um, or like like they, they're not treating every single property they maintain. That's part of their. So there's a little bit of, again, that regulation and the way and how often they're using it. Mm, yeah. The thing it comes down to the homeowners is that we outnumber the commercial places and uh, the, you know, the lawn maintenance companies that. Sorry, let me say that again. We, as homeowners, the, the the amount and the surface area we're spraying and what we're spraying and how we're spraying, we are a bigger threat. We outnumber the commercial and the the commercial companies and the golf courses, mm-hmm. right? Whereas they're being regulated, we're not. And people tend to, I've got an issue. Why isn't it green? Well, let's just spray it. Oh, I hate that insect. It keeps coming back every year. Let's spray it again. And so we as homeowners are just, we want that beautiful, perfect, you know, that American dream kind of beautiful snapshot yeah. postcard picture. We tend to overdo it and we put down more than we actually need to on our lawns and into our, into the air and onto our plants and the residues that come off from the homeowners being or doing that are tend to be greater than the golf courses and the landscape companies that can't just willy nilly go around and spray everybody. Yeah, yeah. Right. The it is a, you know, Sam, I get it that nobody likes weeds, but it is a health right. risk. Like they're pro- like, you know, those those weed chemicals, you're walking in your shoes and then taking them into your house. You're walking and your children are walking and bare feet and growing into the house. Like, you know, we're so really it, it comes to a health benefit. Uh, also, and and that's why, you know, it was the studies were done and the risks mm-hmm. were weighed as to the benefit of, um, you know, especially systemic, anything that can be absorbed, like the weed and feeds are systemic. So they get absorbed into, into the plant, by the plant and systemically, you know, kills the weeds. Well, we are systemic too, right? So health-wise, yeah. you know, so... Um, yeah, so fair, not fair. I don't know if it's as black and white as that. I think it was done for our health. And, uh, and because yeah, people were, you know, overusing it. Um, right. I think it, you know, still excess still goes into the water tables, that type of thing and does, right. you know, affect that. But I think um, if you think about it from a health and safety, you know, standpoint, and, and that's it. As, as homeowners, the, the amount that we're applying, it still has those health effects with all of those, those different chemicals. And the chemicals themselves are changing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, there are, there are chemicals that we were using that affects our nervous systems, that breaks down our, all sorts of systemic issues. So mm-hmm. yeah, eventually it all goes back into what we're eating. We're all part of the cycle. We're yeah. all part of that cycle. So yeah. 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 
That's right. So, I know. Any yeah. Other questions, or should I do our little thing? <laughs> you want to go ahead and do your little thing? All right. Um, yeah, it's been a great show. I, I know everybody's so keen about this topic. So, um, so. That's right. So normally we do our little mid-show station ID and podcast promotion. So I'll take a moment to say thank you, everyone, for joining us live here tonight on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting, relevant, and helpful topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content, like, share, and leave us a comment. You can also find us, uh, Joanne, at downthenumber2earth.ca with all her social media links there. And you can find me at naturalaffinity.ca with all of my social media links and everything there as well. So we've talked about where are we in our lawn questions. So we've got uh, applying the fertilizer versus hand synthetic yeah. versus organic. Have we done a deep enough dive, you think, in explaining the synthetic versus the organic? Um, I think so. I mean, really, it comes down just to the, the way they work. Um, yeah. Right? I mean, the synthetic, there, I like them and I recommend them when um, people are repairing their lawn. We need that quick burst of growth. We need to keep it actively growing to fill those open spaces to repair those big patches that maybe have died off from drought or insect or dog. Like sometimes people or, are running right this time of year. Exactly. Everybody's, you know, the the dog, the pet damage over the winter, that kind of thing. Right. That animal traffic, the human traffic, mm. um, walking on your lawn in the middle of the, of the, um, the winter, if you're on your lawn and you get those dead patches, that ice that we form from compaction will smother the lawn. The the grass underneath there is still uh, moving oxygen in between, you know, exchanging oxygen. So it's really great for a quick burst, a quick green up. That's how they work. The organics build the soil and give you a longer, more sustained green. But they need that soil biology to really work uh, and stay healthy and really take the maintenance out of, out of doing it. Working at the garden center, you know, just helping people repair their lawns. And then just slowly as everything gets repaired, moving from synthetic to organic, I have at least 15 people every spring talking about lawn care who come and find me. If I'm not in the that part of the garden center talking about lawn care to say, Matt, we've switched over and it's absolutely amazing. We did what we did. It takes some time. It's not going to be an overnight thing to repair your lawn, to get it into that nice lush green from damage and big spots. It's a year and a half to two years to go from, damaged mm. to nice and filled and weed free that's a long a long haul that's a long mm -hmm. haul versus just ripping it all up and putting sod down just make sure you you know rebuild the organics under that soil because mm. you're not going to pull it all up in a year and a half to repair it again so okay so take that's some time yeah okay so that's a good question so if somebody is um i'm supposed to actually have my lawn resodded um so is that something you know uh, what do you recommend there? Like, so as far as prep goes or if homeowners are, are let's say, resodding sections of their lawn, um, mm -hmm. how should they best prep, prep it? I would, if, if they can, um, the company that you have come out and resod, take a little bit of extra soil away from that, that base. 
Um, because that's one of the high maintenance things about the sod. The sod is being grown in a farm with ideal conditions. They've prepped that soil to grow that grass on. So one of the issues that we come into with sod is we come into our kind of our crappy or our rougher clay lawns and it takes so long for the sod to take because the roots don't want to interface from this gorgeous compost loamy soil that they've grown up in for the last year and a half in into your crappy sub base kind of thing. So there's an interfacing issue. So to rebuild that, yeah, put in some compost or some good high um, you know, highly active soil biology, compost, soil, Manure. um, manures, etc. like that. Put that underneath, have them take a little bit of away, put some good manure compost that's active underneath it, um, and then put it, the sod back on top. It'll interface quicker, so your roots will go deeper. You've got that soil biology, and right off the top, you can start fertilizing uh, organically. You can start feeding those roots, start feeding those soils. That organic matter below the sod that you just installed um, will start to work on the layers even below the clay and the silty crap that's even further that we all you know complain about that's in our lawns. Um, a healthy soil will start to rebuild that as well okay. over time. Okay. So yeah, so if you can, yeah, put that underneath. You're you're going to restore the soil biology, but you're also going to mimic the sods soil that they were growing in anyways and it'll interface quicker and the higher organic matter underneath in that new soil will retain moisture longer for you uh and when the sod goes mm. yeah That's it comes good. down to i think uh, um an economic thing right the company is probably going to charge you or definitely is going to charge you for removing and disposing of any of that excess soil um, and then just making sure you're doing line locates. You're not, they're not digging and doing anything. Like yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. That might be part of it too. For sure. And I, I think a lot of listeners, you know, have smaller yards and, and then that go and pick up the sod, you know, you know, from the garden center, right? The homeowners yeah. that come in for rolls of, you know, 12 rolls of sod and stuff. So it's good to let them know that just because I think that top dressing or that soil, like that, whatever, you know, because people often go for, um, you know, I guess it's, it also relates to you get what you pay for. Yes, very much. <laughs> Off here. Um, and people, you know, I see it all the time. You know, where can I get the soil at the best price or the cheapest price? And, the you know, well, you get what you pay for. So then those are the same people next year who'd be like, well, my grass and my lawn and my garden isn't doing great. I'm like, yeah, because you just paid, you know, for, you know. So really, if you do really want your garden to grow well and your lawn to grow well, then it, it shouldn't be shopping around for the best deal necessarily, right? And the big box stores and the bag, the bag stuff. Um, you know, it really is looking for, um, you know, something, um, I think the, where, oh, the name has gone out of my head. I'll think about it in a second, but I swear that <laughs> their soil is called like gold or something like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so nutritious. Um, they're, you know, they're black earth that they promote. Um, they've nicknamed it something gold and, uh, I'll, oh, I'll yeah. Google the, I'll Google the, the, uh, the name of the company, but you know, so I think that's something people need to remind, you know, if you're putting just with our food, right? If you're putting good quality and you're going to have to spend more yep. uh, initially, it pays at the other end. Yeah. High quality food. If you're buying nutritious, well-grown, nutrient-dense food, 
um, grown organically or, you know, enriched by these organic sources, the food, even the food that you're going to eat is going to keep you fuller longer. Your body recognizes that all these nutrients are there. They're, it's less stressed. It can absorb all these nutrients. Um, you're not going to feel, you know, uh, hungry quicker or sooner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had another thought too, and I just lost it. Did you? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, just, yeah. So pick a mix. So that's the company oh, I there used quite a bit. Thank you. It just came back to me. Um, Aurora Gold. So premium garden soil, Aurora Gold um, is their um, dark soil comprised of locally sourced and screened compo- composted manure, composted organic matter, and a small amount of fine sand. Uh, Aurora Gold is top soil free giving it the great, so no skin in the game, not making any money. Uh, it's really good soil. And their mulch, their composted pine mulch is also excellent. So um, yeah, pick a mix, P-I-C-A-M-I-X dot C-A. Yeah. Uh, and they deliver in those big bags and they also pick up. So that's a, one of the things I love about them is if you're removing sod, cause that's a, it's great to say you're gonna remove sod yourself to save money. But what do you do with the old sod, right? So yeah. I know when we turned my lawn into mostly garden, we had I had pick a mix bags. So we put the old sod in the pick a mix bags and then they will come. It's a hundred bucks, but you know, much easier for them to come pick it up full and heavy and me not having to worry about a trailer and dump these and all that hassle. Um, so yeah, so um definitely or putting it I in your a, car. I know. Yeah, like, you can't. Yeah. No. So anyway, again, uh, you know, we wish they were an advertiser, but they're not. And uh, but it's that's an example of really paying attention to the fine line and not chasing the deals as far as, you know, whose who's, uh, soil you're using, because um, it really does matter in the long run. Yes, definitely. It does matter. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I, I say the same thing with when people ask me, what about a quality grass seed? What do you recommend? Mm. You you get what you pay for because those yeah. quick fly by, they, they put the seed, but do they screen it well enough? And do, are there weed seeds in there or go, thinking about your bulk soil too? Uh, you know, do weed seeds blow in on those big open piles, right? And then mm-hmm. I put the soil down. Mm-hmm. Another thing, just talking about top dressing. Remember, grass grows with its crown, its growing tip on the soil surface. So if you put down too much soil, you can smother the crown and then it can't exchange it. And then you put like an inch down. You only need an eighth to a quarter of an inch unless you've got big divots. If you put it too thick around those crown plants, you're going to suffocate them literally. And they're going to go yellow. Well, I just top dressed. It must be the soil. No, the soil is fine. It may be not of the best quality for the organics. But you've put too much down around the crowns of your plant, and where it's thick, it's starting to yellow. It's not a chemical or some craziness that's happening. It's too thick. Because we should put the soil and then, or the compost or manure, and then the seed on top, right? That was one of my other things I wanted to say to okay. you. So the other order was, everyone asks, do I put soil seed soil? No, because you also get that too thick. You want to put your soil down and then the seed. So I like to use it it's kind of like a general seed rule and it's I'm going to use bulbs as the example because it's very easy easy to visualize if you have a tulip bulb and you're not sure how deep to plant it the general rule is three times the height of the bulb so if the bulb's two inches tall you're two times three is six you're going to go six inches deep into the ground so imagine you've got your grass seed it's millimeters thick 
It just needs to be ticked underneath that soil. It just needs to be in contact with the soil, protected from the sun, uh, maybe some predators, uh, so that it doesn't dry out or desiccate and it gets those conditions that it wants. You don't need to bury it half an inch below or more. It's not going to germinate. The seed's going to go, no, I don't have air and I don't have water. See, ya. Mm -hmm. I don't have light. No. So, yeah. yes. So don't bury it too deep. Soil and then just on the surface. Um, and just if you have a big open area, that's where you might want to, I like to flip the rake upside down and just lightly dry, I'm using like three fingers just to kind of bounce over it. It's not going to compress it, but it's going to turn and disturb just enough of that soil surface to hide some of that seed. And then again, keep it evenly moist. You want to keep that evenly moist and in contact uh, because the evaporation from the sun and the wind on that soil, remember, we're only going millimeters underneath the soil. Once that dries out, your seed is dried out and the sun and mm. wind do that very easily. So keeping so it moist. I have more questions for you then. So when yeah. is, yeah, <laughs> people, the whole moist thing, do you think people like rush to do the fertilizer? Does the fertilizer need the rain? Like I think I see people say, oh, there's rain in the forecast. You know, this week there's snow in the forecast, but <laughs> you know, should I get the fertilizer down before the rain or does, you know, or the grass seed, that kind of thing? Yeah, and my thing is watch the rain. If we're going to get torrential downpours and you've got open soil, especially for seed, it's going to saturate and then it's going to shift. It's either going to bury your seed or it's going to erode away. If right. you've got an established lawn and you're putting it in, um, the fertilizer, then yes, it should stay in place and the water does help activate it and start pushing it into the soil. So you do want to okay. water the fertilizer in as well, which is okay. an excellent point I think we skipped over earlier. Okay. Um, so watering it to activate and getting it going. Both fertilize both types of right. fertilizer. So Water. both the organic and and the synthetic. Okay. Okay. Um, right. And then never put down your synthetic when your grass blades are moist. Those little prills, the little pieces of fertilizer. If you walk around and you've watered the lawn, you know, I want to water the lawn first, and then I'm going to fertilize it, I'm going to water more, is what I've heard people say. So you've watered the lawn, the blades are wet, the prills are broadcasting out of your spreader, and they're going to hit the seed on a, white, on a, a wet spot or a droplet. And they're not going to fall, they're going to get stuck and drag themselves as they dry out. And then you're going to get speckling because the synthetics have released from the prill on the grass blades themselves before they've hit the ground. When they dry, they'll fall into place, but you can get some of that release onto the, the blades first. So oh, okay, so that's when you on. say speckling, you'll see speckles on the grass blades? That's right. why. The oh. fertilizer will release on the tissue and the tissue underneath will die and then the blade will fall down and the rest of the fertilizer when it hits the ground will continue to release yeah. where it is. But you can damage your lawn by synthetically fertilizing it when it's moist or wet like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So even stuck. not, so then don't fertilize even after it rains, like let it dry out and then. Right. Go ahead the ground can be moist. The soil can be moist, but you want to take your hand with your fingers open and brush it over the grass, like over a couple of feet and just drag back and forth. If you close your fingers again and, and, you know, move your fingers or crumple your fingers in your hand uh, and it's moist, there's still too much moisture on your lawn. Don't ah, put it down. Yeah. Good. Cause you might get that stuck. Yeah. 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 Well, that is a great tip. Just about sure. um, the sod as we just, mm -hmm. before we get too far away, if you have lots of sod, just going back to your comment about, you know, you go to the garden center, you pick up 12 or more rolls and you're calculating it. A lot of sod growers will deliver to your, a skid or half skid 
to your house, to your residence. At least they do in our area. So mm -hmm. take a look at some of those sod farms. They'll put you a deposit on that skid because they want it back. It's usually modified. Yeah. So they're machines. The wooden can, skid. Yeah. Right. Um, but they will usually deliver large amounts so that you don't have to ruin your cars and your suspension mm -hmm. and get all the back of your car covered in dirt and worry about that boy at the, you know, the big box store or something loading sod uh, into your thing. So definitely call around because it's definitely a time and money saver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And we are um, getting some snow. So Elise wrote in saying good weather here in the GTA. It's supposed to be snowing here on Wednesday. <gasps> we were snow shoveling <laughs> three years ago this week. We were inundated with snow. So this is unusually warm. Yes. Um, so uh, Canada, we the North. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be this warm, you know, so um, that that the snow and the cold temperatures is is what we we should be really. Yes. Um, this is the warm is the more concerning because now what's happened is this is going to be the issue we were also talking about before the show is things because of the warm things are budding early. The magnolias are a month early. Lots of things are a month early, and now minus six fruit trees another example. So, um, you know, there may be some things that won't end up blooming or will be end up blooming the you know good old endless hydrangeas that don't bloom anyway you know they're mm -hmm. budding and, and getting ready possibly if you're in in a in a you know zone four maybe or zo sorry zone six they would be and then we're going to get a hard frost and there goes those buds so yeah two things definitely if we get that frost and your hydrangeas are growing already that's a huge thing especially when we get these warm-ups and cools down we get yeah. that all the time i get emails and i get it at the garden center yeah. what did happen we had a frost last year yeah. we had snow on may 9th and it had warmed up yeah yeah, Second, yeah the whole i just want to talk about that so the one of as designer one of the most popular um plants that has in the last few years has been blue meringue lilacs right mm. they come uh, you know nice size they stay a nice size in people's gardens um and they have that they bloom meringue so they they bounce back and have another spring another bloom in august september the whole crop every farm in ontario i think even in the u.s northern u.s lost their bloom because of that may 9th frost yep. right they they thought they cut them all back some farms left them some farms thought oh we'll cut them back and they'll they'll come back by the mid-season we couldn't you couldn't put one in a design last year yeah. You know, so, so yeah, so it, it, it those, the, the weather fluctuating really does have, I know we're veered off of lawn. Sorry, everybody. But <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it'd be better if we came into it nice and gently, like we're supposed to, but. Uh, yes. And I, I think back to your fruit trees, we see it as our plants, right? Our flowers being burnt and we're not getting the flowers, but don't forget the insects. They've mm. evolved to come out at the same time as these food sources and things to do. So pollinators for your fruit trees. Why didn't they get pollinated? A, the, the flowers probably got burnt off. But B, if the insects were there and they got hit, they may not have pollinated. Their numbers may have been cut in, like decimated, uh, cut by like two thirds or more and died off. Um, and so then we're going to have a weak pollinator. So this is goes, I think, goes back to our whole, this is one of those things that this is climate change. We're playing with the way that we're warming up, the way that we're supposed to. And yeah, it's beautiful outside, but there are these unseen factors in the climate and in these regions of Earth uh, with insects and plants and water flow and pollination and all of this stuff 
that's the huge, that's the kick in the gut for the climate change. This is all off. We have no fruit. How are we eating? What are we eating? We put out our cold crops. We get a snow because it warmed up. Nope, they got burnt. Now half the population starves. This is this is climate change. Yeah. These are those weird little cycles that we're disrupting by doing. Yeah. It. yeah. Anyways, anyways, yes, we're yes. way off of lawns. Yes, we have yes, we've got a good questions. question we've never had this one before. It's also off of lawn, but we definitely should as we're winding down. Um, Harry's written in saying uh, he also said a little bit off topic. That's okay, Harry. Uh, he noticed a mice running around his house. Is there anything that he can plant that would keep mice away from his house? Something that they don't like, for example. Um, yeah. I've never heard of anything. That's yeah, one that I've either. never heard of a plant that does that. No. Um, I would honestly have to look. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's warming up. They're moving from their burrows. They're mating. They're going to be exploring and, and heading out for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> We should find that out and then uh, yeah. we can write you back, Harry. But I am I have never, ever heard of anything. Yeah, I think I'd make sure there's nothing that's attracting them, like, you know, a bag of grass seed laying around or a bag yeah. of corn gluten laying around or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So make sure there's nothing um, that you have laying around that's attracting them. Right. Um, but uh, something that they don't like, I I have not heard of anything. I so. thought the exact same thing as I wrote your name here you down just to yeah. uh, to make a note if I find something. Just make sure as they're running around the house, they don't, yeah, they don't find anything like an open bag mm-hmm. of grassy and mm-hmm. then, then, then they move in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's good. So did you want to recap? I, I know we've got, uh, we've had, it's a great show and we gave everybody a lot of information. So if you did, didn't, weren't here for the whole show, we definitely want you to, 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 to uh, download it uh, this week. Um, so you can listen to all of our, all of Matt's great insight and feedback in lawns. Um, yeah. So just to recap, if maybe you joined halfway through the show, uh, no worries. Thanks for joining us. Uh, but yeah, so organic versus synthetically, just remember they, they work differently. Um, a synthetic is instant. It's big. It's green. It's beautiful. It's great for a weekend party. The grass is looking a little off. Uh, throw it down. Give it a number of days. It greens up beautifully, but it damages soil biology. So you have to keep, that's the catch. The catch. You have to keep putting it down. Um, whereas organics, when it's nice and established, it's great for synth- sorry, let me go back. Synthetics good for repairing and quickly establishing stuff. But once that's established, make sure that you're, you know, feeding the lawn with a good, healthy topsoil, uh, compost, a manure, mushroom compost, even with synthetic, make sure you're top dressing with something with active organic matter in it and eventually switch to that organic to build the soil underneath. And that will help keep the health plants healthier, longer, they'll fight disease, there'll be a lot more resistance to everything we want to do out on our lawns, whether it's fight weed or be out there and, and just provide it with traffic from a, a big happy family. Uh, so going organic, but just remember, the organics and the synthetics work differently, they give you those results at different times, but organic is going to be stronger and give you the longer benefit, more sustainable, low maintenance in the long run. So mm-hmm. which is best? 
it depends on the situation you're working on, but ultimately organic is the best. Is the goal not to like, is the goal to not even need to do it yearly? Like is the goal, like if your lawn is healthy enough, then maybe it's just every few years you need to do a, a fertilizer. Yeah. You might just do, you know, something in the spring and then you might just do something to fortify it in the fall. If, if again, you need it, if you've got that big, nice, organic, active, uh, layer underneath, it's going to sustain itself. We don't have to go out and fertilize all the big forests in the trees, mm. right? Because they've got the cycle, the compost is there, the mulch of the leaf litter is feeding the soil and protecting the soil. It's holding the moisture to feed the trees. The lawns are going to be a little bit more exposed. That goes into the length of the cutting the lawn. The lawn creates its shade. It's mm. got that little bit of thatch. The organics are breaking that thatch down and we're providing and supplementing it with some food, but Ultimately, yeah, the goal is we shouldn't have to restore that system as best we can. We are growing it ornamentally, and there's always going to be that ornamental factor to it, right? And it is like a triculture of things Mm -hmm. that, but Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have too many people write in about why they love it and why they think it's so important. But uh, I mean, versus the people that want to interlock their whole backyard instead of having grass, I mean, because of the low maintenance factor. I mean, lawn, there's a lot of downsides on lawn and all the money we spend on it, but certainly it is permeable. It is, you know, I'm saying in quotes, good for the environment in the sense that it does, um, you know, take the water and you know what I mean? As far as encouraging runoff um some some municipalities you know green space is is required and regulated that there's got to be a percentage of green space in your in your yard Mm -hmm. um so that's why or else everybody would brick over everything right yes so yeah why is it so hot well (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so i'm sure we'll bring up that if you've got uh more comments and then we definitely will be talking about grub control and some weed control management uh, on a deep dive next week but we can also extend that whole conversation about um why we put why the you know a quote-unquote perfect line is so important to us so i'd love or you can follow up with us um in uh, after the show in our social media um we'd love to uh to get your your input there right that's right that's right we've all got different gardens and different spaces different microclimates and macroclimates so it's all we're all doing different stuff so it's fun to hear what everybody's doing and share our experiences and we love just talking to you about it for sure because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the goal is low maintenance right everybody wants low maintenance but then we spend so much time and effort and money on on our lawn so i don't know i don't know if the return for investment is there and that's a whole other promotion <laughs> it is it is oh my goodness so thank you everyone for joining us here down the garden path jake ken mike sam elise harry I think I've gotten everybody in there uh, for joining us, for writing in your questions. Don't forget to join us next week for Grub Control and Weed Control in Your Lawn. I am Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw. And uh, thank you so much for joining us down the garden path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.